This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard, and with me today, at Campton. Hello. A merry grand final eve, eve, eve to you all. Indeed. And we're getting closer. You know what? You haven't heard all week is the news drop. And we've been, you know, we've been so focused in on the grand final, but there's plenty of other things happening in the world of rugby league, Nicholas, especially one big bombshell that dropped this afternoon. So that is where we are going to start things. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. I'd miss the Rundrundra. I'd missed it. <laughs> Won't Hadn't m- heard it in several days. Won't miss Brad Fittler. I was Fittler, wondering though. if I'd ever hear it again. See you later. Brad Fittler gone as New South Wales coach. Um, fair to say this is kind of surprising, Campo, because basically all the chat after they finished the series and in the in the in the ensuing weeks and months was that they were going to run it back with him for another year. But like fairly out of nowhere today, Brad Fittler has, has resigned from his role following a week of negotiations with the board. Yeah, it is very much out of nowhere. I was surprised that the board was so eager to appoint Freddie after the way that this series went. Um, I kind of got the impression after game two that even victory in game three wasn't going to save him, but then it looked like it was going to. I believe the sticking point, this has been reported in a few different places. I believe the sticking point that was that Freddie wanted a two-year extension Mm. and the Blues only wanted to give him one and Freddie has opted to to not do it anymore. So his uh, long reign of tyranny is over. Yeah, and so there'll be no Paul McGregor, no Greg Alexander, no Andrew Johnson, no Jane Badiris involved in 2024 either. We already knew about the Alexander stuff, but yeah, it's interesting because... Like you, I thought once they won that game three that that was going to be enough for him to keep his job. But I guess he wasn't comfortable with the situation if what's being reported is accurate. We have no reason to believe that it's not. He wasn't comfortable with the situation of having to, you know, in inverted commas, coach for his job next year. And I guess that's fair enough from his point of view. But I can also definitely 100% see it from the board's point of view in the sense that I didn't think he'd done enough to warrant a contract extension in the first place. So them basically saying, here's one more year. This is your last chance to to turn this ship around. And if not, you're out of here. I thought that was a fair enough thing for them to do. And if he doesn't want to do that, then that's totally fine. So I, I can't really blame either party in this one if, if all the details we know so far are to be believed. Yeah, I, I imagine from Fitler's perspective, he would think that he's already made a lot of concessions. He totally revamped his staff. He got rid of all those guys that he talked about before. He was talking about bringing in Matt King and Ivan Cleary as his main assistants. I think the idea would have been that King is sort of the guy who's in camp all the time. And then Cleary pretty much comes in and runs the bench the way he did, or the way that from the outside looking in, it certainly looked like he did in game three. But now it's all kind of up in the air. And we've talked a lot this year about about Freddie Stint as origin coach, about his strengths and his weaknesses and a lot about his legacy and all that sort of thing. He'll go down as the second most successful Blues coach ever. And I think he was a great coach for what, the Blues needed for a while there. He brought in a totally fresh approach. He blooded all these really new players, who have, some of whom have since gone on to become real greats of, of this state. But I also think it's clear that his approach was wearing a little bit thin and he just had these really, these, these glaring weaknesses as an origin coach that never really got fixed. He was always strange with his bench. You know, he was always willing to take chances on guys. And he was never afraid of making big changes and backing his instincts. But that could, that sometimes that was as much a weakness as it was a strength, you know? And I think that the time is right for the blues to bring in a fresh voice. But then the problem is who is that fresh voice going to be? Because there is no standout candidate this time. Uh, I'll say it again, James Maloney with the Morris Twins as his assistants. That's that's what I that's the card I've been pushing for a few months now. It makes no sense, but I, I'm a huge fan of it. Matt King is probably an interesting shout. He's a guy that's been around a lot of good teams in his post center or great fits the bill. He was player of the series one year, right? Uh, for the Blues, if I remember correctly. 
And um, uh, I'm not sure on that one, but am I, but definitely, was... definitely an underrated blue and one of the very few successful blues from the last 20 odd years who's active in an NRL coaching setup right now. I don't, I don't think that they'd make him the number one man and assuming that they can't drag James Maloney off whatever Southern French vineyard he's currently basking in champagne in. Mm. Who are the guys? Who are the guys that you think are realistic options? Like when the when the New South Wales Rugby League wake up tomorrow and they go, all right, we need someone. Who do you think their first call is? It, well, what's Jason Ryle's situation with with the Wallabies? Like, what's well, going just, on there? Well, they're they're just a winning machine at the minute. Well, yeah, clearly, because that's weird. Because that's a guy that has a lot of, you know, again had a lot of pedigree, but has now been tarred with the brush of failure in the last couple of weeks with that with that gig. He springs to mind as a possible option. I don't, Jeff Tuvey's name always comes up, but I'd be shocked. I'd be really shocked if that happened. Um, again, like, like trying to think John Morris, perhaps, but again, he didn't play Origin, so that's that really does hamstring them a little bit. Whereas, like, if your criteria has to be they played a bunch of games for the Blues, it doesn't leave you with a lot of guys left. Like Robbie Farah's obviously doing some stuff with Benji at the Tigers, but again, not a great deal of coaching experience for him. Paul Gallen, I doubt, is interested in the job. Uh, Pedirus, as we know, is not going to be involved. It really does leave your options very limited. I think Brett, Mo- uh, Brett Morris. I think John Morris would be a great appointment if they wanted to go outside the box of guys who've you know done it for the Blues. But yeah, I, I I'm mildly shocked if that happened. I think John Morris is going to be an NRL coach again someday, and That's I true. think he'll be a really good one. I if, I'd love to have him at at my club, but I don't quite know if he's got the temperament for origin i think like so much of origin isn't about like isn't about tactics it is about aura and feel and emotion and all of that you know and i just as 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 good a player as john morris wasn't as long as he was in first grade i just don't think that he can sort of bring that sort of intensity especially Mm -hmm. given that he never he never played for the blues or anything like that i actually think there's a, a really clear option once you sort of sit down and really think about it and i can't believe i'm saying this but i think i want ricky stewart to coach the blues again of course you do but you know what i i don't hate it well because... think, think think about it right like and i'm not one of those people who says ricky stewart's perfect and everyone who criticizes him is an idiot or anything like that like you guys have heard me all through this year you know that i differ with him on a number of different things but I, I think if you look at the if you, if you look at the sort of model that the the Queensland have always had really have, have always had when they've been really really successful right they've had uh, a figurehead as a coach who sort of has that emotive side and has a decorated Origin playing career and who can connect to the players on an emotional on an emotional level you know I think that's something that Billy Slade is really good at Mal Meninga was really good at it before him Wayne Bennett's always been really good at it. And because Origin is more about that than it is about tactical football, I think that True. really plays into Ricky's strengths. I think Ricky's weaknesses as a coach are are some of his tactical nous sometimes, you know? And yeah. that's something that has probably led him down a couple of times with the Raiders over the years. But if you get the right assistants around him who can sort of handle that 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 sort of, uh, you know, the intricacies of, of modern footy, and then you get Ricky as the emotional figurehead firing the boys up, I think that would be a really nice fit. And I think he's a really nice fit for the blues in this time as well, because everyone's off them. All anyone wants to do is talk about how shit they are. It's them against the world. Who's the, who's a great coach for that sort of thing. Who's a great coach when everyone hates you. Eddie no Jones. one thinks he can win for a one off, but not for a season, not for a season now, but for, for one game, two games, three games. I think I think I think Ricky's the man for the job in it's, in 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 in, in, a, in a in not a very hot field it must be said, but I think I think Ricky should be their guy. It's a compelling argument, and you're right. There are plenty of games that you think back to of these big games, finals games, where Canberra were given next to no chance, and they've either pulled off a shock result or they've come pretty bloody close to doing it. And I think he can if, get a team up. You know, he can get, he can a, get team a team up, up, which for all his faults is like honestly one of if not the most important things you need in an origin coach. So yeah, I think from that point of view, that's an interesting shout. How would that work logistically with him doing the Raiders at the same time? I, well, I don't know. It's been a while since someone did both. It's been a long time since somebody did that. I think the last coach to do it might've 
been Ricky? Was it not Bell? Was it Bellamy or was it? No, Ricky? no, no. Because Ricky's second stint came up. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how that will work out. I don't, I won't even know if Ricky wants to do it. Maybe this is the thing that sort of finally gets him away from from Canberra. I know there was some talk a few years ago that he was sort of looking to go into more of a head of football role or something like mm. that. I don't know. Um, but judging on sort of the names that have been floated just in the last hour or so before since this news has broke, Ricky and Craig Bellamy, the two that seem to come up a little bit. I don't think Bellamy is a good choice, even though I do think he's a much better coach than Ricky Stewart because he, Bellamy is a much better NRL coach, but I think Ricky is more suited to origin, mm. you know? And I, I think that's an important thing. I think we have to remember that this is a different form yeah, of the sport. That's true. You know? Um, by the way, I looked it up. Uh, Matt King was player of the series, 2005. He was the inaugural Brad Fittler medal winner. So Wow, he beat Joey? That's what the computer's telling me. I know I didn't imagine that. But anyway, who's the funniest person they could give it to who's a Blues great? Is it Blocker Roach? Um, that would more just make me sad. I'm looking for the, the funniest one. Do they have to be a Blues great? Or well, they're not they going to. Oh, they could just have to play, play for them. So just have to have played for Luke O'Donnell played for the blues, right? Oh, yep. That's it. That might be good. (laughs) I would not, I'd be terrified. Jamie, Jamie Bura. It'd be fine. I think just be a a mild man. What's Ryan Hoffman up to these days? Who's your old schoolyard chum? He's, uh, he works down at the storm. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Get him in, get him involved. What about Latrell Mitchell captain coach? Wow. Well, would you like that or would you hate it? I would, Oh, I think I'd hate it, but I also might love it. <laughs> I don't really know what I want. But um, what about Sam Burgess? Oh, gee, yeah. Or, <laughs> there was that time where they talked about changing the rules so that guys like him could play Origin, which you know would have been interesting. I'm kind of glad it didn't happen, but yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. This really came out of nowhere and Grand Final week to boot. So maybe that's why they did it now. I don't know. But anyway, uh, on Happy News for Queenslanders, Billy Slater is re-signed rather than resigned. He will be sticking around uh, for the foreseeable future. Again, interesting because there has been so much conjecture and speculation about him becoming Craig Bellamy's successor at the Storm, but this will lock him into the Maroons job. Was it three more years? Yes. I I think any, any talk about him going to the Storm was probably missing the mark a little bit. Like He's got a great, great gig at the minute coaching Queensland. He seems to have a great feel for it. He's got all his old teammates in as assistant coaches. They seem to have a really great thing going. Giving that up for the the week-to-week grind of the NRL, I think Billy's always been too smart for that. you know. And I think after these first two years, the way that he's been able to rebuild Queensland after that 2021 series loss when they were dead set as low as they've ever been, what he's been able to do is these last couple of years, he's getting to that territory now where this job is his for as long as he wants it. Yep. You know, you, I think the, all the, all the stuff about the Queensland spirit and you blokes just don't get origin and all of that. I kind of feel that's stronger than ever right now. I don't feel like Queensland has ever gotten origin more <laughs> than they have in the last, in the last two years under Slater, mm. you know? Um, so yeah, he, he's, he's going to have that gig for a really long time. I think. All right, quite a bit of signing news since we last spoke, and uh, we're not 100% sure that we didn't speak about this last week, but you love him so much that just in case, we'll make sure. Corey Hills was re-signed till the end of 2027 for the Raiders. What a banner day for cousin Corey, and indeed mm. the entire family. Fantastic. Have you have you reached out to Uncle Rick? Uh, no, I haven't, but I assume he'll be getting himself a new Raiders Hawaiian shirt You'd for the so. occasion. <laughs> You'd hope so. Um so uh, Manly have been busy. They've re-signed uh, Jake Arthur, Brad Parker, Dean Madison, uh, Atasi James from the Tigers, and also extended Ethan Bullimore all to the end of 2025. The Bullimore one in particular is a bit strange because he's the guy who I've thought deserves to play more footy than he has done at that club since he went there. I, I would like to see him starting for them in the middle of the field. Like, that's of those of those guys. He's the only one that sort of is getting my needle moving a little bit. Yeah, uh, Parramatta extended Bryce Cartwright and your boy Virumu Grig. He was he was a probably like, honestly one of the top props on the market. It was a pretty shallow market this year, but he's sticking around in Parramatta. Yeah, and big ups to Bryce Cartwright. Really rebuilt his career over the last couple of years. This was his best season probably since his early Penrith days. Yeah, just very very quietly became a far far better player than he probably had any right to be given what's given the. Injuries and the form slumps he's had over the last couple of years. He was nearly out of the league more yes, than once. That's true. And he's really, really put it back together. So good for him. Uh, nothing on your boy, Grig? 
Well, you, you guys all know how I feel about William McGree. Oh, it's never stopped you from, A, saying his name, which people enjoy, and B, talk, loving a player has never stopped you talking about them before. But that's Well, why. that's true. I just feel like I haven't seen him much because yeah, he, he got injured. He missed all that time. And I think he came back for a game or two, but it was when I was away and I didn't see him. So probably yeah. saving my William McGree glove until next season. But I'll never forget that he was the one who started my front row Friday comeback. It's true. And yep. now, barring some unfortunate, can you imagine? Yeah, I'm you, gonna, right. I'm, I'm gonna take home, the, I'm gonna take it home. I'm up two with a grand final to play. So what unless, if, whoever, unless whoever you choose crashes over for a hat trick, I'm at least retaining the shit. What if we did one for every each of the three grand finals? That seems to me like you moving the goalposts in an effort. I'm just asking to... if you want to do something entertaining for the fans. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. I'll just you know I'll... what's entertaining: winning. Yeah. Well, how would you know that? You've literally never beat me at anything. Well, I'm about to, aren't I? That's true. You are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So well it's done. About to happen. Okay. Like, the well, what... are getting a massive victory. What does Logan? Yeah, what does Logan say? Much. Congrats on saying the big enough. Yeah. Congrats on saying Adam Fanua Blake every week. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Mo Fonawake has re-signed with the Titans until 2027. They're locking up all the big horses, all of them. They are, and that's a great get. For, that's a great retention for them. Um, he won their Player of the Year this year. I thought he had a really, really great season. There was uh, there was uh, some whispers that the dogs were were sniffing around. Um, and it's very smart of the Titans to put the kibosh on that. You know, mm. Mo Fod- Mo wake up still the best, still the best player that not enough people talk about. Michael Cheekham and Footy Dean both resign in front of the US South today, and Tarek Sims is off to Catalan. So there you go. Anything for those three? Well, anything on for, for Cheeks and Footy Dean? Uh, Cheekham's whatever. Like, it's a good depth player. I hated how much first grade he played this year. Um, Footy Dean, I want him to get first crack at that seven jersey next year. So it's good that he's sticking around. Whether it happens or not, who the hell knows? But, you know, they've got to do something, man. They've got to put some pressure on Elias to perform. I think having Hawkins around is the best way they can do that. Um, because, yeah, he's a, his name's Dean and he likes footy. Good for him. What do you want? Okay. Let's move ahead to uh, something that you're very upset about. That the Let's league... move ahead to the past yes. and talk about the Dally M's. Uh, I would like to read a message I received from uh, Declan, my favorite Campton, uh, one minute after it was announced as uh, Caelan Pogba's award. I can't believe you picked it. Wow, you were exactly right. He came storming home. Thank you, Declan. Nicholas, would you like to echo your brother's sentiments and pay tribute to me? You were right. When you said it yesterday, I said, yeah, it's definitely possible. Mm. It's not like I laughed at you. That's you, true. When this happened, when this, when we found out who won, you were acting like I'd yeah, you, tossed you, all your hair and you, said, that's cute, mate, but Kalen's no chance. I, I think that's word for word what you said. No one go back and check. It's, uh, <laughs> mate, in all seriousness, though, like the other reason I thought he could win it was because the, we, we both correctly identified how stupid this system is, how stupid the system has always been, and that their solution to fixing this stupid broken system was to just double it and make it even easier for a guy to just go on a run for a few weeks and win this award. I think Honga averaged five points out of a like total, like you can only get six max. He averaged like five points in their like eight game run. Tennessee. He got 40 points in the last eight weeks of the season. Something. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of, this happens every single year with the Dalliums. Every mm. single year I go into it and I think, well, maybe this year is going to be different. And maybe this is the year where, you know, things work out and it's a, it's a bit more, correct in in whoever in whoever it lands on you know and then every single year i'm disappointed this year i was probably even a little bit more invested because one i thought at the very least expanding the voting that way Mm. was going to because you've because you've you've sort of widened and deepened the pool i i thought you would they would be more likely yeah i remember us kind of not not praising this necessarily but i remember us kind of being in favor of it at the start of the year for the exact reason you just said i guess we also forgot the flip side is some guy can just get six points a game for eight weeks that's right we didn't we didn't have a whole lot of foresight about it and like i don't want this to come off as criticism of oh i love caleb or anything like that i thought he had he had it he had that great period of the year um and I thought the speech he gave was really good. I, I I thought the sentiment of this year, I wanted to stop letting people down and start making people proud. I thought that was a great line. I thought it was heartbreaking that he thought he had let so many people down because all he'd done was get hit in the head a few times and he couldn't have controlled that. I thought that great gave a great insight onto into where he was and the journey he's been on this year. And the fact that he was able to come back from all that and play as well as he did is a real, real credit to him. And it's a great rugby league story. However, him winning player of the year for, for like and for killing it in an eight game period, like a third of the season was enough for him to win player of the year. Like 
what are we doing? What are we doing, guys? And I know, like, I, you guys would have all heard me talk yesterday about how stoked I was, or how stoked I was going to be if Sean Johnson won. The reason that I don't like this is not because Sean Johnson lost. Like, mm. if I was picking an MVP, it wouldn't have been Sean Johnson. It would have been Reese Walsh first, and it would have been Payne Haas second. But because of the structures of the award, neither of them could win it. So because of, if they're mm. both ineligible, then then Sean Johnson was my third guy. And the, it, thing, the, thing, the thing that those three all have in common is they were all good over the entire season. And the entirety of the season has to matter. Mm. You know, are we just throwing out the first 18 weeks of the year? Do they just not matter now? You know, like well, in the four weeks leading, in the four weeks leading up to that, that night's run, right? Kalen Prong had two tries, his four line breakers, his two tries. He was playing well, but he was not playing at a daily M level. So he's captured this award based on, eight weeks of work. And to yes. me, that's just not right. That's just not enough. If you compare that to great runs of the past, Jared Haynes run was 15 games. Ben Barber's was 14 games, or you could, or you could even argue that stretch over a full season. Todd Carney was, thir- was 13 games. So like, what, 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 what are we doing here? Are we just lighting, are we just lighting big portions of the season on fire here? Yeah, I agree completely. I, t- I tweeted about this afterwards, just said, well, look, we need you to switch to MVP voting like the Americans do it. And I got a couple of people saying, oh, that, that would just make it a narrative award. And I'm like, as opposed to like the situation we have now where the two guys you said were the two best players and who I also would have said were the two best players and who, honestly, if we did a public MVP battle, I think Reese Walsh would absolutely have walked it in this year. Maybe maybe Johnson would have been second because he's such a popular player, but I feel like Reese Walsh was very likely to have won that award if we just opened it up to like anyone that whose opinion in rugby league we we regard. But those guys weren't even close to winning Haas and Walsh. They were they were like equal they tenth were equal or something. Tenth. Yeah. But by, by the end of it, like you had guys like Harry Grant, Nico Hines almost won, for God's sake. The only way this could have been funnier was if the ineligible drink water had won the award and then had to give it to second place Nico Hines. That's the funniest thing that could have happened. And it was almost that was almost the reality because those guys both finished in the top five and yeah, look, if people don't know how the Americans do it, like again, they get so much stuff wrong with their sports and with their culture and with everything else, but they have a system where it's, I think it's 50 media members, ex-players, officials, like blah, blah, blah. It's sort of a wide net. I think it's 50. They vote for 10 people. I think it's 10 in the NFL, and I think it might be five in the NBA, but it's 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 a finite number. It's either five or 10, and you give 10 points to the guy you think is the best player, nine for second, all the way down to one. You pick your top 10 players. The guy that gets the most points wins. You do it at the end of the season. And... Honestly, I think most of the time those awards are given to the right people. You look, I look back the other just after this happened last night at like the old MVPs list for the NFL, and they get it right more often than not. They nail it most of the time. And on that point, the team of the year, which was announced last night at the NRL Awards, which is also done based on what I just said rather than based off Dally M points, which it used to be, which was a terrible system. That's also done in the way I just described. And that team, I think, Nick, you would agree was pretty close. Well, I mean, we did our teams yesterday. It was pretty close to the, the, the combined efforts that you and I picked on, on yeah. our own. So, yeah, and the, and the, and the, the differences in that team and our teams are all totally understandable. Like those ones are, are a genuine matter of opinion. So I don't understand why the game by game voting is not good enough for the team of the year, but it is good enough for the biggest and most important award. Yep. You know? And I've also, it, it's just, there's, to me, there's just, there's just something is broken. If the three best players, this, if none of the three best players from this season, the entirety of the season mm. could win the award. Yeah. And, and mate, it, it's, it's also, it's like, well, what people go, oh, well, what if we had a system where you, you give points to every player every week? And I shouldn't have to explain why that's a terrible idea, because that just means if a guy misses like four games, he can't win the award. And other people will go, oh, well, what if you, what if we, what if we made it so it was, you know, you you had a finite amount of points to give out, but you could spread them over as many players as you wanted, which I also think is insane because again, you'd end up with like a guy getting all the points for like three games and winning the award. I, I think that people are for some reason so locked in on this like per game thing that like they can't see the forest for the trees and they think that there's a way to fix this by still keeping it in the way it is. I don't think there's a system that works where you just assign equal value to every game across the whole season. Because first of all, every game's not equal. That's just reality. And the other part of it is, again, if a guy has six really good games, he can win the award. And that's not how this should work. That's not how it works in other sports. You have to be consistently good over those. And yes, of course, it helps if you have a hot run to finish the year. But Taylor Ponga would not have won that award last night if if we'd been voting with the system that, that I've just put forward. 
He wouldn't have got close to winning. No, no, he wouldn't have. And that I, I saw a couple of people saying, well, if Sean Johnson had just played in the final round, he would have won it. It's like, well, then why does that last round game count more than all the other games before it? Why does it count more than all the all the games in the first half of the season when Johnson was playing really, really well, you know? And it's like, the other thing I think, I think there's a lot of defeatism around the Dalian Wards. There's a lot of like, oh, well, who cares? Who cares? Like, why do you, mm. why do you get so bent out of shape about it? I get bent out of shape about it because awards and, and, and things like that and player of the year stuff, it's how do we, it's how we talk to each other across time. Mm. You know, it's how we compare players. It's how we compare eras. It's how we compare players legacies. Once you're a Dalian winner, you're a Dalian winner for the rest of time. And eventually people will stop saying, oh, I remember when Kalen Ponga won the Dalian, except Walsh and Haas and Johnson all had better all-round seasons. Eventually that'll go away and it'll just be Dalian winner Kalen Ponga, you know? And that changes the way we talk about these guys. It changes the way we can we consider their legacies. It changes the conversation around the sport and the history of the sport. And all that stuff's really, really important to me, which is why I want the Dalians to be better. It's why I get so bent out of shape about it all the time you know it just and and this extends to more than just the, the the big award itself i thought the whole ceremony last night was so so low rent it didn't feel prestigious it didn't feel big it didn't feel important and it almost never feels important it hasn't i actually don't i don't think it has since the nrl took the took the awards back and started running them instead of instead of news corp like news corp for all their problems at least they they pumped it up a little bit at least they made it feel mm a little bit prestigious. Like I thought last night had, had the production values of like a local footy presentation night, but with none of the, none of the charm. Yeah. You know, like the in memory, the in memoriam in, that's a tough word to say. (laughs) The RI, the, the RIP section, the the bit where they pay tribute (laughs) to the people who have passed this year, you know, and it's a, it's the lock forward from the Cronulla sharks up there singing. Like what, like what, what are we doing guys? Like no shots at Dale Finucane or anything like that, but, yeah, it just it's a me to me it just it just it feels like it doesn't matter. And if you have an award show that feels like it doesn't matter, guess what? People are gonna stop caring about it. Kalen Ponga wasn't gonna be there last night until the NRL emailed him that morning and said, Kalen, you better come down. And he said, No, I'm not that keen. And they said, No, Kalen, you really better come down for this. Mm. You know, like like people just don't care about it. You know, the players don't, and I don't blame them because it doesn't feel important. Look at some of the speeches that some of them gave last night. You know, to say nothing of the fact that we don't actually get speeches from the entire team of the year, that all just gets announced in one big block. Right? I didn't like that. Me either. Like, we 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 don't hear from the players. They don't get a chance to tell us what this means to them. They don't get a chance to express that. So why why would they bother? Why would they why would they bother feeling anything about this? You know. And then there's some of it where 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 the people do care about it, and that really shines through because it's so uncommon. I thought Tallulah Tillett spoke beautifully about about winning her her medal which is for work in the community i thought andrew webster spoke really really well with his coach of the year stuff as well but those the people the people that are really into this and really caring about it and really putting a high value on it they're in the minority they're not in the majority you know and that's something that flows through to the way that we talk about this stuff you know what i mean like when we're talking about who the best prop in the world is do you ever ever say well he won prop of the year last year no. You know, or when we're talking about legacy stuff, when we're comparing two players, do we ever, ever say, well, he won five eighths of the year four times and he only won it three times. So that's got to matter. You know, feels like, yeah, it just, like the Dalians just don't feel like they matter as much as they should. They don't feel like they're as important as they should. And it's a lot of little decisions that have led us to this point. And I, I don't see it getting better, but we have to keep complaining about it because that's the only way it can get better. That's the only way it can ever change is if we keep calling on it. We keep calling the NRL on it, you know? Yeah. People are, oh, why, why do you get so upset about it? I don't think I'm upset by it. Like I, I, I'm I, upset by it. You, you're upset by it. I'm more just bemused by the concept and, and the execution of it. And yeah, I don't know. There's just stuff involved in the sport that's been the way it is for forever. And so it never gets changed because that's just how we've always done things. Every game is a three, two, one, and every game matters the same. And three guys get points and nobody else does. Oh, well, we'll double it this year. That's that's our compromise. We'll fix everything by doubling it. And, you know, it didn't fix anything. It, it made it worse. Ponga was, I think when we talked about yesterday, he was, what, 16 points behind Johnson when it went behind closed doors? I think he was 200 points behind. And okay, 200 points behind. Somehow and so, managed to storm home. Like, and again, like, it, it, it it's the same arguments we make every year, mate, but it's like Haas and, Haas and Walsh get punished for playing on the same team. Yeah. Start. 
It's like who's taking no again. I don't want to be. I don't want to sound like Willie Mason here, but who's taking points of Kalen Ponga when the Knights win? When the Knights win a game and he plays well, nobody, no one's taking points of Kalen Ponga. And it's the same with Johnson to a lesser extent. But like that to me has always been the biggest flaw. Awards standout players on on well, not that the Knights were a bad team, but it, it awards standout players on on average teams, and that's often the case. That's often the the winner we end up with. And I think that more often than not, in the last ten years, they've not got the winner right. So Penrith have put together four of the most <laughs> dominant seasons, regular seasons that the sport has ever seen back to back to back. They're not going to have a Dally M win. Yeah. The closest they came was Nathan Cleary in 2020 when he should have won. And he got beaten by Jack Whiten who <laughs> had a, not, not on, nowhere near the, like not as, not, he didn't play as well as Pong has down the stretch, but it was a similar sort of thing. You know, he was a big name on a, on a smaller market team. And he and he just and he soaked up a lot of the votes, you know. Mm. And it, this sort of thing just keeps happening, keeps happening all the time. And none of the changes that the NRL brings in seem to abate it at all. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I I always like to think back to like 2018 was really I thought I thought the best example of this, where it was like the three top vote getters were Tuivasa-Shek, Ponga, and Luke Brooks, all standout playmakers in bad teams. I think the Warriors finished eighth, and those other two teams didn't make the finals. And they were the top three guys. Uh, they were the top three guys on on, on the leaderboard. And who, and who was in the who was the, who was the top four in twenty eighteen? It was South Roosters, Melbourne, and somebody else. Doesn't matter. It was, it was definitely it was definitely somebody else. It was Cronulla. Okay, yeah. So Val was fourth. Um, Val was fourth. Munster was seventh. Cook was ninth. Not a rooster in sight. Who won the comp? Fantastic. Great system. Just awesome stuff. And but just not enough people care. And Honestly, nights like last night are really the only way to get people to start caring because everybody loves Sean Johnson. And honestly, if these two things had been reversed and it had been Kalen Ponga who'd had a great season and he was hipped at the post by SJ who got hot for eight weeks, the same people who are upset probably wouldn't give a shit. And that is also part of the problem. But anyway, I don't think anything's going to get changed. I think it'll just be the same issues next year. And again, I just think until we get off this method of, waiting every game to be worth the same amount, we're going to end up with flawed systems and flawed results. Oh, well. <laughs> what are you going to do? Where, where uh, would, like, no, no, getting, getting pissed off about the Dalliams is, is, is fast becoming an important part of my grand final week ritual. And by because, the way, because, because I can't just be happy every day leading into Sunday. I need something to bring me down a peg so then I can rise again. Like the Phoenix. That's true. It's like, well, um, like it's even dumber that it's in the in the women the women's game that's six points because it's like yeah uh, Upton you know it worked out kind of she was a worthy winner but it's like that's a system where the winner got twenty seven points so you could literally miss half the season and play well in the other games and win the Dalian yeah but, I, th- that that is definitely going to happen at some point in the women's game but I did think Tamika Upton definitely yeah absolutely agree. deserved it um, she sure did we've talked a, a bit before about how much she's improved her play this year and she was already the best fullback in the comp. And that to me is the mark of a truly great player. So big, big ups to to make her up and thoroughly deserved. I thought. Yeah, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, no, no issues there. I thought I was. I honestly, I thought Tegan Berry was an outside chance of winning because again, just because like every time the Dragons had a good game, she was their best player, and that's again six points per game. It's a lot. She ends up fifth. So whatever. Two Raiders, Taufa fourth, and Tamara seventh. So that's pretty good. Yeah, the the, the the tough the tough end of the season probably really hurt them. I thought. One of when I thought one of them was going to win. Well, honestly, after if you, about you, a month of the year, if you well, I assume she got no points in the last game when you got pumped by the Titans. So, like, if you win that game and Taufa plays well, she wins the Dalian. So, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure you would have happy. With that. But yeah, oh, um, any other? Mate, well, you can't. You can't. You, like, no, she had a great year. I'm oh. happy that they got that one right. Yeah, that's the that's um, the, that's the good I, part. I enjoyed the tackle of the year going to a guy who elbowed someone in the face on the tackle. Well, the other one of the other. Ones that was nominated for tackle the year was Tarpanay when he folded Walsh. <laughs> like when Walsh was just standing there. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> that was at least funny and legal. Like, the like, Olaquato one is so bad. Like, it would have broken most dudes' jaws. Um, uh, Taruva got rookie of the year just over over Jareem Buller. I'm fine with that. I think we picked Buller, but you know, I think they yeah, were, they Taruva, were Taruva, a worth a worthy winner though, 100. percent And for like the VB hard earned player of the year. What, oh, a, wow. what a moment. What a moment. Car like, do you remember running around as a kid imagining the day that you accepted the trophy for being the VB hard-earned yeah. index winner? I'm just like Richard Swain, I said to myself. <laughs> uh and uh Latrell Mitchell got the Ken Stephen medal, so that's nice. Good for him. Good work. That was nice. That was nice. See, I get because he's Latrell and he always cops a little bit of heat, 
whenever he does anything. I've seen him get criticized a little bit for not either having a speech or not sending in a video. But there was an interesting tidbit in a Daily Telegraph story today. Apparently, he did send in a video, but it was the wrong format and not up to broadcast standards. I love him so much. <laughs> he's, he's the absolute best. He's the, what format did he send it in? Um, it was somehow just an MP3. There was no, there was was no gonna, picture. I was going to say filmed on a 2007 like Nokia. Oh, so it, or or no, like it, it only it only runs in QuickTime, which no one yeah, has on the computer anymore. It's like, Latrell, how did you do this? I don't know. Uh. <laughs> I just used my I just used my flip phone and that was the format. Oh, God bless him. And it would be rude to go through a whole show in Grand Final Week without any Grand Final chat. So Nick, you sent me a couple of fun things you wanted us to do today yes so uh, one of those footy jokes that never gets old is when there's two teams playing and you say that they're you think of a mediocre player who played for both clubs Mm. and you say well they're playing for the mediocre player memorial trophy so a good example would be if canberra's playing souths and we say well the joe picker bowl no love loss there oh yeah i mean the the oh jesus other no jack white's too good I'm flailing. Mark Nichols. Oh, the, what am I doing? The, the Michael Oldfield bowl. <laughs> well, Oldfield's great because he just he played for just about everyone. So I thought, yeah. let's sit down and have a think, you mm. and I, yeah. about which former Panthers slash Broncos player are we naming the premiership trophy after? What what is on the line in this Panthers Broncos okay. grand final? So the serious answer, if you were actually doing this, not the funny answer, the serious answer, I think, is very obvious, and that would be the Luke Prittis trophy. So Luke Prittis was the top of my list as well. Just Want to ahead comp of with both Petro, Petro. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Luke Prittis, 100%. The whole idea for this came up. Um, there's a, a great video that's just gone up on YouTube of Luke Prittis' highlights from the 2003 grand final, Fuck, which I good. still think is the best game that anyone's you ever You know what? I have said that many final. times. I agree. The scored, scored, scored a try, set up the other two. Panther, Panthers win three tries to one, but... Also had a great career with Brisbane, um, won the comp with them in 2000. One of the great underrated players, probably the last 25 years. If if the NRL has any gumption, Prittis will present the Clive Churchill medal on Sunday. Yep. feel like that would just be the best result for everybody. And then Petro Sivanaceva is Petro Sivanaceva. You could name yeah. any trophy after him and it automatically becomes 25% more prestigious. What's, what is Big Petro doing now? He's he's doing a lot of work with uh, the Kaviti Silvertails, the okay. Fiji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Fiji-based um, Ron Massey Cup team, they're pushing for inclusion in the New South Wales Cup. He does a lot of work with them. He still does a bit of work with the Broncos as an ambassador. And I think he's just a professional man about town. I, how good would being a man about town be? Just going around, shaking hands, slapping backs. Just being about the town. Mate, it would be the absolute best. So mm. yeah, Petro, Petro's right up there. Some other notable Panther-Bronco crossovers. Peter Wallace spending a lot of time at both clubs. Trevor Gilmeister, Broncos legend, who had a year at Penrith. James Roberts started at Penrith, went to Brizzy, did some good stuff, but that's kind of getting away from the the point here. The point point is finding what like a more a more obscure player, a player who has Mm. not earned this uh, prestigious title. But we will bestow it upon them anyway. So who's jumping out here? I'll give you I'll I'll give you two nominees, and then I'll have two, and then we decide. Okay, so. I'm not going to take that one from you because that was your first, your first, the one you texted me. So I'm going to say a guy that played for Brisbane very used, very briefly, and say the James Seguiaro Shield. A very good one because I'm I'm always a fan when someone has like a decorated career at one club, and Seguiaro did one hooker of the year and all that, and then just sort of has like a stint at the other club that is just entirely forgotten, almost, mm. you know. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and. I think it's a yeah. You can't go with the Luke Capewell Cup. I don't think because he's still playing. So I think you've got to get real. Luke down. Capewell never played for Penrith. Yeah, I've not in, not in not in first grade because I was looking it up. I was going. I was checking it. Yeah. Well, I also called him Luke Capewell. Yeah, but that's like the Scott Josh drink water thing. I've did you notice earlier in the show? I just said drink water. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I thought okay. I thought your thing had cut out for a little second there, but then I realized you were just. Nope, just didn't know exactly which one it was. And you know what? That's better than not knowing. Very good. So, or they could play for the Tamari Martin medal. T-Triple-M. Not a lot of crossover between these two clubs. Not mm. as much as I thought they'd be, eh? Mm. 
So who have you gone with? So for my first nominee, I'm picking Joel Clinton, premiership mm. winner with Penrith in that same 2003 team. Probably one of those young guys who didn't go on to fulfill his potential, but did show up at Brisbane a few years later where I remember the things that stand out to me were when he got viciously knocked out by Jerome Rapati with a big shoulder charge once when he was, they were, Brisbane were wearing those horrible, like almost fluoro yellow jerseys. Mm. Very, very garish. Rapati just absolutely rocked his shit. He was very good at getting knocked out, Chocolate. He was. He was. But he, I think he had a bit of that Martin Lang stuff yeah. where just it didn't it didn't seem to affect him. Um, but yeah, the, the Clinton the Clinton Cup. Okay. I think the punters would show up for that. Yeah, but you've got one that you think is the clear winner. I yeah, I think the clear winner here is the Tavita Pangai Jr. Memorial Scepter. Okay. Or or, or whatever you want, because while he didn't win a premiership with either club was probably like disappointing on the whole with both clubs also had moments of just like absolute brilliance. Like there were, I can think of like maybe half a dozen games that he won for his own for the one on his own for the Broncos over the years, mm. even though he was also extraordinarily frustrating and he was only at the Panthers for, I think it was five games in the end. What are five but, games? It was. What are five games it was. And they probably don't win that 2021 premiership without him and without what he did in that prelim against mm. Melbourne. So big, like he's got the, the right combination of big game pedigree and meme ability, which is yep. really what we're looking for in the, in this one. You All know? right. I'm happy to go with the Tavita Pangai Scepter. Fantastic. All right. And uh, what else, do, what other exercise would you like to partake in? Well, we haven't done what about this guy in a long time and I'm starting mm. to get the shakes. That's fair. And I think the methadone version of what about this guy is just comparing the two teams and seeing who has the most guys. Okay. So if people aren't, there's not an exact science in terms of defining what a guy slash dude is, but you know it when you see it. And mo- a lot of these guys are too good to be guys slash dudes, but we'll see who has more. Should we just start from fullback and then can do both teams? And that way we can keep score easily. Yes, let's do that. All right. So neither Dylan Edwards nor Reese Walsh are guys. No, if you've, won a ma- if you've won a major award, you cannot be a guy. So Dylan Edwards cannot be a guy. He's won the Clive Churchill medal. And Reese Walsh is on track to being the biggest star that rugby league's had in about 20 years. So mm. obviously he cannot be a guy either. I think Sunia Taruva is going to be too good to be a guy, but I think Jesse Arthurs might be a guy. Jesse Arthurs is a textbook guy. Yeah. Anytime you can say something like, oh man, who played on the wing for the Broncos in that grand final? Selwyn was one. Who was the other? And mm. someone will pop their head up and say, Corey Oates, and you'll say, no, brother. It was Jesse Arthur's. That's a guy. That's that's like that's a that gets you, that gets you exclusive VIP entry to to the guy club. I, I think both Tungo and Stags are going to be too good to be guys. I think Tungo will be, but he's not right now. Mm. I don't think he's there yet. Tony Stags, definitely. He's. I think he he's pro, he's not the player he's going to turn into yet. Mm-hmm. But he will end up being too good to be a guy. Yep. So Stephen Crichton, so is Herbie Farnworth, so is Brian Toos, so is Selwyn Cobbo. So, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a bit of a dearth of guys early, you know? Uh, Luai, we're, we're coming, no. we're coming, we're coming to a rich, a rich patch. So just be patient. Lou, I know if Mam turned out to be a guy, that would be very sad given the trajectory of his career is on right now. He's going to yeah, be- Yeah, his ceiling is much higher. Nathan Cleary, Adam Reynolds, absolutely not. All right. So now we're into the forwards. And forwards are more susceptible to being guys mm. than backs. I don't That's know what true. it is. That's true. Is Moses Leota a guy? I think he's just a little bit too good. I would agree. A little bit too good. A little bit too much uh, of a big game performer. Tom Flegler's background in banana farming. That really does help. That's it, he's immediately it, where my brain went. Yeah. And I actually, and I think that enhances his guy credentials so much that not even his origin footy can, can mm. quite throw it off. You know, yeah. eventually he will outstrip it and become too good to be a guy. I think if he ends up playing like ten origins, he can't be a guy. That's right. Three but right, but, but right now, right now, the banana farmer still a guy. All right, so two nil Brisbane. One of the great guy showdowns a hooker. Yeah, I think. Well, Mitch Kenny is an absolute guy. Yeah, that's a dude. But Billy Walters, because of his surname, I don't think can be a guy. I think that enhances his guy credentials. But like, is is he's Kevy's boy? Yeah, but like, do you call Ben Anderson a guy? Yes. Oh, okay. Then. Yeah, Ben Anderson exclusively gets in 
because of who his father was. Okay. With with Billy though, with Billy, it's not a bug; it's a feature. I think it enhances his guide. I think I think we've got two guys okay. lock and horns. All right, so three one. Uh, James Fisher and Payne are the two best props in the world. They are both too good for this. Mm-hmm. Scott Sorensen may be in the guy hall of fame. He is. That's a guy right there. Now that's a fucking guy, dude. Yeah. Like Newtown Jets captain, grand final try scorer for the Panthers. Scott Sorensen, hell yeah. Now th- that's a guy. Textbook stuff. Kirk Capewell is slightly too good to be a guy. He's too good and so is Liam Martin. But Jordan Ricky. Bit handsome yeah. though. Yeah, I know, I know, but I think the the transition from handsome oaf to handsome capable oaf, mm. I think I think that enhances his guy credentials. Because if you're just a bad player, you can't really be a guy. You're really more of a me. But Jordan Jor- Jordan Ricky's improvement this year has earned him status to, to guyhood. You know what? what a, yeah, what a dude. I mean, I'm all and in it, on it. The, and his Wikipedia section is very, very short and sweet. Apart from controversy, in September 2021, Ricky was involved in a fight with teammate Thomas Flegler after a night out on during Brisbane's oh, Mad Monday. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. That, that, that gives him an extra point. So, okay, I'll go with it. So that's uh, that's 4-2, we're saying? Yes. Sorensen and Kenny versus Arthur's... Flegler, Walters, and Ricky. Neither Isaiah Yo nor Patrick Carrigan are guys. They are both too good to be guys. Jack Cogger is absolutely a guy. Jack Cogger is 100% a guy, but is Tyson Smoothie? I'm not sure he's there yet. The name, though. It's a great name. The, na- the, name, the name could tip in there. Like but- Royston Lightning didn't have much of a first grade career, but he was 100% a guy because of the name. Mm. Mm, that's a good point. Like, I don't know any of like Super League's best players, but I know Earl Crabtree. I think Smoothie's in. Mm, okay, 5-3. Lindsey Smith. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, that's a guy. That's a guy. He He's going to feature on what about this guy in 10 years' time when Absolutely. it's when, when the host of this is going to be you and an AI version of me. Correct. Where are you in that in that world? I, presu- I assume that you've duped me out of the show somehow in a Zuckerberg social network style thing. Just trade you this, these magic beans for your half of the money. I thought it was going to be the magic box. Oh, that works too. It could be anything, even a podcast. That's right. Uh, not sure about Brendan Piakura. Piakura is going to end up being too good. Okay. I'm I pretty confident of that. Spencer Lenu is too good right now. Yep. So it's, we're at 4 3 going into Kobe Hetherington. That's a guy. Like if, you're, if Jason Hetherington is your father, then you are a guy, even if you don't play footy. If he has any brothers who are just like, Sheep shearers or something, they might still feature on what about this guy in the future. Okay. Luke Garner's a guy. Going from the worst team in the comp to well, going from like the, the wooden, wooden spooners, spooners to the minor to... premiers. Yep. Absolute guy move. He's in. Yep. I'm not sure Palacia gets in. Why not? Again, like I'm not sure he's earned it yet, but also there's, there's still that untapped potential that he might end up being too good. So I think he misses out on, on two fronts. I know he's I know he's not that young anymore, but I don't know. This I feel like he's still got another level to take his game to. I don't know because a, a great part of the guy story can be just putting it together for six months on a really good side, then totally cashing out. Mm. And I think there's a chance that that's what our friend Keenan is going to do. So right. I've, I've I've got him in, man. All right, well, Brisbane win the guy off then. Brisbane have roared home. The reserves don't count, but let's really quickly run through them and just say yes or no, no justifications. All right, I'll give you the Penrith ones first. Tyron Peachy. Yes. Eisenhuth. Yes. Zach Hosking. I think he'll end up too good. Luke Summerton. Uh, uh, T- T- TBA. Tom Jenkins. Yes, he's in. Okay. Corey Oates. Too good. Absolutely. Martin Tapao. Was too good. I think so, yeah. Corey Jensen. That's a guy. That's a guy. Jock Madden is absolutely a guy. 100%. And Tristan Saylor, famous dad thing, but also still super talented. Couldn't end up being too good. Jerry's still out. Mm. All right. Well, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, so we'll be back tomorrow with uh, the Broncos preview, which was really supposed to be today. We had to shuffle some stuff around. This news uh, sort of, you know, knocked our plans around a little bit with some people's availabilities and stuff. So, yeah, hopefully back on deck tomorrow. Broncos preview, game preview Saturday. Blow your brain grand final on Sunday. It's all happening. It's all yeah, happening. We uh, and we got you got to be flexible sometimes in grand final week. Mm-hmm. And you can probably guess who our Broncos guest is going to be. And we wanted him very, very badly. So we rescheduled 
for him so he can come on the show tomorrow and probably abuse me for a good 45 minutes straight. That's right. It's Ivan Henjack. All right. <laughs> and before we get out of here, a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. Support us uh, patreon.com forward slash rookies. You get access to a Discord server, extra podcast every week, uh, entry next year's Cold Train Cup, merch discounts, plenty more. So thank you to Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Ralphie, Stu, Wayno the Old Coot, Alex Sergicomi, Broncos legend Adam Reynolds. I have to yell it. Bruce the Bomb, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, Do It For Stacey Jones, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, future Clive Churchill medalist Billy Walters. Gilligan really did love the skipper. It wasn't just convenience. I also went to school with Matt Bungard. I, Matt Bungard, could not be happier for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I've got a blank space in my fantasy team and I'll write your name. Jason, Jazz Tavanga plotting an Ocean's Eleven heist to steal... On this tally, um, Joe, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brown, and kick us out of the cop. Lachlan Hancock, Ladrick, lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles, Smithmore, Mads, Taylor's version, Man, Haas to O, Drinkwater, and Matthew Duggan, Michael, sitting around and naming Patreon names is the finest thing a person can do. <laughs> it's literally my favorite thing to do. Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my ding ding dong is hard and I'm sad. Never trendy, Pat McManus, Pete Fulger, Reese Brown, Roxanne Clark, Scores wants Stuart Sack. See you in Vegas. Storm fans know how the rest of the comp feel now with this grand final appearance. Dry spell, tie. Thank you to Chris Abdel, Dave, Rocky, and Rafi Stu. The black vegetable. The kevolution will be euthanized. Jesus Christ, Shunter. The wow. outro music is a vibe on 1.75 times speed. Thor, Tom Hardy, was and Westlife's podcast end the Pasco fiasco. Thank you so much for your support. To everyone who loves and to everyone who just listens, thank you as well. Dark Shunter. Jesus I, Christ. I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you, man, the, the, the good patrons are peaking at the right time of the season. Yeah. Um, if you if you were assembling a heist crew, mm, what role would Jazz Tavanga play? Well, he's could he he couldn't be the the gymnast guy that flips through nah, the lasers nah. and you know he couldn't be that. Um, what I, I haven't seen Ocean's Eleven in a, in, a, in a minute. Just trying to think of what everyone's role was. I I think he refreshed my memory. He's the guy who starts a fight as a distraction. Perfect. Yeah. So you can sneak into the casino vault. By the way, what his Instagram post was? We didn't talk about that, but yeah, he was. He, if people missed this, Tavanga said that SJ not winning the medal was a bigger, ro- almost as big a robbery as the forward pass. So, Jazz uh, Jazz doesn't mind speaking his mind. Which you know, sometimes you got to play the notes that people aren't ready to hear. Sometimes you have to break the rules to that's, free your heart. That's Jazz, baby. All right. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. That's goodbye from me.